I, I really love stories that use genre in a huge way to tell a very small story. And not necessarily in terms of scale, but like small in terms of like a very, very personal story. Taking genre and using it to create a version of a really personal story that you wouldn't expect. Like you can tell a story about like, like a rival, like a family issue and like the idea of like morals and ethics and like linguistics. But it becomes so much more fun to watch when it's like these giant aliens and you've got like Johan Johansson music and like crazy spaceships. Like that just makes it so much more fun. My name is West Gibbons and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with writer and director Quinn McHugh Fluett. We discussed his recent short film Singularity, how he combines world building sci-fi with intimate human stories, and his work as the editor for this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 77 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Quinn, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. We were just saying this is a little weird because... (laughs) <laughs> you edit this. Yeah. <laughs> this is your job is to edit this. You're a, you're a podcast editor at Tungsten, um, and so I know you in that sense. But there's a lot of ways, a lot of things that I don't know about you, um, like all of your history as you as a filmmaker and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to like sit down in this formal setting outside of just like giving you notes on the podcast and you know all that kind of stuff, which we always do. I'm excited to like stare at my like uncomfortable face for an hour when i edit this in a couple of days yeah That'll yeah be really fun exactly <laughs> it'll be great well i'll i'll yeah i'll lose this podcast and then i'll say oh we have to re-record it so you'll have to do it again oh no so we'll just <laughs> we'll just keep it going um but no this is exciting we're doing a series where we're having uh, all of the people a part of tungsten on the podcast we've had an episode with just me and reagan me reagan and joe i mean uh and then an episode with reagan that came out monday when we're recording this uh and then the episode before yours is with joe uh and then obviously you're next so um it's exciting to like sit down and talk to all of y'all and you know have the audience learn more about like the people that are behind this because i don't i mean we of course announced that um like what seems like forever ago early in the year we announced that like you were the podcast editor but i don't think the audience is like heard too much from you except for the little notes that you put on like yeah i've only started doing that recently yeah, and I like that a lot. It's been fun <laughs> for me, especially except that one time I like misspelled your name. <laughs> yeah. That's embarrassing. I was like, I'm yeah. so clever for putting this, and then like I look at yeah, your exactly. notes, and you're like, you spelled my name wrong. So, and it was too late to fix it, so it's that's going to be there for forever. <laughs> but didn't you say it's because you were like with a West the whole weekend? Yeah. So Wasn't my that your excuse. Yeah, the, that's a good excuse. It, it is a good excuse. It was confusing. Yeah. Very confusing. I've I, I was producing a short for Wes Shifflett and Trey Rogan and so like every day I would be talking to you for like half the day about tungsten <laughs> right. and then like Wes and Trey for half the day so yeah. like I'd have West and Wes yeah. constantly popping up on my phone notifications <laughs> and it just didn't it didn't jive with my head I'll let it slide this cool. one time cool another time we're gonna have to talk to HR okay fair. which is which is me that's 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 troubling to hear <laughs> Not a troubling totally structure yeah it's a real pyramid scheme we got going on over at tungsten Quinn, um, you are from New York, correct? Yeah. I know a little bit about, and that's the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm from New York. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's so fun to have you on. Um, I know a little bit about your, uh, the beginning of your film career and like the, uh, 
American High School Festival, that kind yeah. of stuff that, that you got into. Kinda, but that was relatively recent. That was, that was, recent? From, that okay. was from a beginning thing, but the actual event ended right. up in my like college hat. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get into film? So I had a lot of like relatives and family friends who were involved in it. My parents both worked in like, I want to say it was like news style, commercial style, like an editing house. They weren't editors, but they worked in that sort of industry for a little bit while they were living in Boston. And so a lot of my family friends I'd spent time with were in some way involved in that. A lot of the people that I saw were actually scab people. So oh, wow. like, so I was surrounded by film from a young age. Like they'd show me a lot of hmm. like, honestly kind of pretentious movies to show a kid <laughs> which yeah. I, I was happy with i didn't like all of them but i i think that i think that was a good exposure as a kid mm -hmm. and just like since i was very young i was like i want to i before i understood what the jobs were i knew i wanted to do movies i didn't really understand that there was mm -hmm. a structure or like a process of making them and like my parents would like play me those like two hour long like uh behind the scenes reels on like dvds yeah so like I'd yeah. watch all like the Lord of the Rings ones, the Star Wars ones. I would just like sit down for like four hours and that would be on the TV. <laughs> I think it's cool that they worked in an editing house because most people, when they say that they were surrounded by film, they mean like they had a family member that was like in a union, you know, that worked in the bit, like, you know, either big TV shows or big film. So it's kind of cool that you, not that that's like, not that they're working in an indie house, but it's kind of cool that you saw that, that, that part of the world, because I didn't learn about that side of the world until like film school you know no i one of our so two, two of my closest family friends uh one of them owns actually a pretty big camera rental company in boston uh oh, rule, wow. rule i think it's rule boston camera and then the other guy uh has like his own like i, I don't know what they did outside of their work because i was too young to really understand what it was when i saw it but he had like a little indie studio in uh, new hampshire mm -hmm. and like he would make like his like super vfx movies and you take like five years to do them because they just like film them on their breaks and stuff that's cool did you know early on that you wanted to be a writer director or just like i want to be involved in general i didn't know that writing was a job honestly mm -hmm. i didn't know that was a job at all i knew that there were people behind the camera because you could see that in the bts stuff and right. i garnered but from, they don't film the editor of course they don't film the editor and i and i garnered <laughs> yeah. from like seeing the set videos and like just how people talk about movies that directors were a pretty big deal in it and that they had <laughs> right. a pretty big yeah. say in the story and like there I, th I think those are also the personalities that pop out too like i remember being obsessed with tim burton as a kid just because mm -hmm. it's like he looks weird as hell like he's got like the weird <laughs> hair and stuff and so i was like tim he looks burton. like his movies <laughs> he looks exactly like his movies so i was like he seems to have a pretty big hand in that that seems pretty cool and i think that made me I think that made me aware of directing his job more so. And I definitely was interested in like, I thought the director wrote the story and told the story and did everything and has like yeah, were in yeah. charge of everything. And I was like, that sounds pretty fun. <laughs> that's a lot of cool right. stuff to do every day. So I, that's, that's yeah. what I wanted to do pretty early on. Did you start making stuff on your own? Yeah, I did stop motion like way too often as a kid. I never finished them because like, as I got older, they would get increasingly elaborate and out of hand to the point where they were incompletable. Right. <laughs> like, like I would take my yeah. like um, I would take like my bionicles and like my like wood blocks and like play doh and stuff, and like That's make awesome. horrible action scenes with like little yeah. subtitle dialogue. <laughs> so even then, are, do you know like okay, I'm like I guess I'm curious. When did you start making the steps to like pursue it professionally? Like looking at film schools and really, really taking it seriously and like finishing projects and that kind of stuff. Because I feel like I talk to a lot of people 
And that's just a big shift. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people do like AV clubs or AV yeah. classes in high school. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's obviously fun and a cool thing to make a movie with your friends. But then obviously a small percentage of people actually choose like, no, I want to do this professionally. So was there a moment that you decided like, I'm going to start taking this really seriously? I don't think there was a moment because it was like very ingrained in me, but there definitely was like a moment where I was like, oh, this is within reach. Like this is a tangible okay. goal because like from yeah. very young, I was like, I want to do it. And I took it way too seriously. Like I would write like scripts <laughs> in my notebooks in class and stuff with horrible formatting. And <laughs> I would like, I, I made a few completed short films with my friends who like were my like earliest friends. We made some really horrible short films that I think are now private on YouTube. But uh, I like in, in high school, we actually moved. So I moved school districts and towns at the end of my elementary school. So I began like a new school system in like middle school, high school. And my high school, one of the reasons we moved there is because they had a really amazing arts program. And part of it was a video specific program. And they oh, cool. like, they had actual equipment, like they had like little DSLRs, like Canon T3Is and stuff. And yeah. that was like my family, we had like a Canon T1i and we had a broken lens on it. And I would still try to film movies on it. And I, I succeeded <laughs> yeah. in filming things, but like they didn't look good because like the autofocus and like the auto exposure. But my teacher like gave us the, she was like, you can use the camcorders or you can use the, DSLRs and I was like I want to do the DSLR because like mm -hmm. I really want to try that and she had like mm -hmm. these really shallow lenses and I was like I want that I want the ND filter I, I took the ND filter yeah. or no I didn't even have an ND filter at that point that was before I knew what NDs were but I knew <laughs> I could get a shallow depth of field if I put the shutter all the way up and I saw all right. these videos on YouTube where you could like put like the little lens flare uh, fishing mm -hmm. string on it so I did all that all that jazz I like filmed a short film on my street and uh and it's just like so like yeah, there's, <laughs> there's just every effect dude, known dude, to you, man. Should, you should see so that one's actually pretty tame in terms of lens flares i think there's like three the, the first like i'd say narrative short film i did where it was like it has a script and multiple characters is just completely lens flares like to the yeah. point where it's kind of unwatchable <laughs> it's just <laughs> like great. it's lens flares at night like because we we filmed on like our like streets in town so it's like all, every single car that drives by is just like a thing thing oh thing. yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah horrible but that, that, that was the point when i started being like like not only do i want to do this but i can definitely do this like i have a camera like mm -hmm. i can convince my friends to be in a movie and i can edit it and it can look all right like it, it felt right. a lot more within reach at that point because before then I'd never had like a structured program to do things in. So I'd have big ideas and I'd invite my friends over who were like, I'd invite my really good friends over and they'd be generous to like help me do it. And it would never come into anything or never uh, turn into anything just because like I didn't have the discipline. None of us really wanted to have the discipline and that gave me the mm. discipline and that gave me the focus to like really, really take it seriously. Yeah. So because your parents were kind of involved in that world, were they super supportive of, of the decision to pursue it? Yeah, they actually, they, they were really generous to like put me in a few, like, I think I, when I was really little, they thought I would like be some sort of like artist because I would like draw a lot and I, I hated it the more I did it. But like they started putting me in like video classes because they realized I was like taking like stop motion a little more seriously than like some of my mm -hmm. friends who I do it with. So they were, they let me do some video classes where I learned like how to edit iMovie and stuff like that. 
and they, they were very, very supportive of it. Um, and by the time I like got into high school, the idea of going to a film school was like a very normal discussion. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you can't go to film school. It was very much like you can, and if you want to do it, you should. You just got to figure out like how to get a job in the like in the meantime. So it was it was right. like there was a lot of realistic discussion about that. Did you because you were exposed to scad people early on? Was that also kind of like a well duh type decision? Honestly, not really. I, in all honesty, I didn't think I would ever move to the south until I moved to the south. I think um, I'm definitely like I've learned from being in the south that I'm definitely a New Yorker, and I'm definitely (laughs) like a northeasterner. Um, That's what I I will damn Yankee as we would call you. Well, I'm a Red Sox fan, actually. (laughs) Okay, uh, there you go. Yeah, so so I, I I just bring hate upon myself. But I, <laughs> I will. It's a good way to be. It is. I, I will anywhere above 72 degrees. Um, I don't like mosquitoes. If I had the, oh, if I had like three yikes. wishes from a genie, the first one would be kill all mosquitoes. Um, yeah. No, I, I, SCAD was honestly not like. And the second the, one would be kill all mosquitoes and the third would still be kill all mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the third would be kill all mosquitoes. Kill all, yeah. I, SCAD was never like part of that discussion, honestly, because it was purely an art school and because my family knew it a lot more as like a school for graphic design because that was mm. where that was that's where our family friends were all from they were all like my dad's employees were graphic designers hired right out of SCAD so okay that that was far less of a discussion we talked a lot more about stuff like um Syracuse NYU Ithaca like those types of places so how did you end up at SCAD I ended up at SCAD because I so I, I ended up we didn't have much money for me to apply to schools by the time we got to that point. And I was like, I, I was very much in like a screw it all kind of mindset. Not screw it all. I was in kind of a like screw the process mindset in senior year and junior year. And I felt like, well, if I don't want to go to X school, why would I bother applying there? So only, I only applied yeah. to like three schools and it was. Yeah, same. Me too. Yeah. I had the exact I, same I, I'm glad idea. I did. I, 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 yeah. I recognized midway through junior year. I was like, I'm never going to do well at math. So I'm not going to get into like the really smart schools I want to get into. I did originally think I might try to get in somewhere like Cornell that has like a good like writing, like English program. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they have a good film program, but one of the nice things about them is that they're a better school than Ithaca, but you can take classes if you're in Ithaca at Cornell and vice versa. So I, oh, looked, I looked there because that was a good idea to me. I applied and I ended up applying to SCAD, Syracuse and SUNY New Paltz. Syracuse was my top choice. And I got into a really good program that, like, they only accept, I think, 60 students into, um, where it's, like, film and business. And mm-hmm. I got I got in on an early decision, and they gave me no scholarship. So uh, I was like, well, that's not happening. Um, yeah. So I had to tell them. I had to go through the ringer of, like, dropping out of Syracuse. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Like, telling them, like, I can't get there. You guys got to take me off your enrollment stuff so I can go to another school. I went to SCAD because they offered me scholarship SUNY New Paltz didn't even offer me scholarship but um I ended up SCAD by the time I had to make that decision was the right decision for me but a big push was mm-hmm. that they were the only place that gave me money <laughs> so I was like that certainly helps it does it's a really good motivator <laughs> yeah yeah exactly very realistic like real life motivator yeah so but, but um, I could real quick though I, I one of the reasons I decided to go to SCAD um was because they had such a great faculty and equipment availability yeah. because that was not the case at the other film schools. It would be like, yeah, we've got this guy who like cam opt on like 
WTOC seven, like yeah, in Atlanta. Right. And like, that's like, that's a great job, but that's not the mm-hmm. guy that I wanted to like be teaching me how to direct something with like a exactly. $50 million budget someday. Like that's, and then scat, it's like, you've got the writing chair was like the writer of the Cosby show. Like that's mm-hmm. like, that's a guy that I, I feel like will give me advice that points me in the direction a lot better. So that's, that mm-hmm. was why I ended up going to scat also. Yeah, I remember I toured, uh, we went to SCAD first. And so then we like on our college tour thing, and then we compared obviously every other school to SCAD because SCAD is very impressive. They know how to market themselves. You know, we've said that many times. They're good at what they do. Um, and so I, I, the last school we went to was Western Carolina University and mm-hmm. they like really small town in uh, Western North Carolina. Um, they're a small school in a small town. And they talked about like they had this really great relationship with Sony. Like that was the draw of their film program. Like Sony and us, like we're really close, which like, you know, I, it's great. I, I, you know, I just graduated high school up. Sounds good to me. And so we get there and, uh, I see an announcement on the wall. That's like, we are so excited to announce that Sony just gifted us one fs7 and it was like the biggest (laughs) by the way way, is the worst camera i've filmed on since getting to film school so like that's that's a horrifying announcement right and so you get to scat it fs7s are like pennies like there's like 15 of them and i don't think i'm exaggerating it's probably like 10 to 15 and you just like if you're on a set with an fs7 it's like oh okay we could we could only get (laughs) or the ursa maybe it's like uh. but wcu it's like let's go (laughs) you know not to dog i I don't mean to be mean i guess it is inherently mean what i'm saying but we that just goes to show the equipment access is very very huge there's a healthy level of equipment bullying that we all get to do to each other as film people i think that's well within the healthy boundaries (laughs) okay perfect so we can leave that in yeah okay thank you no one in this Uh, podcast is trying to get into that school (laughs) that's yeah that's true yeah exactly um so when you're at SCAD, does that kind of like open up your world because you have access to these great faculty, mm-hmm. this great equipment and like other people, you don't have to convince people like who aren't interested in film. What I loved about SCAD is like, I get there and I'm surrounded by people who want to do the same thing. You know, like in middle of nowhere, Mississippi, I have to get my friends who are like interested in acting mm-hmm. to like hold a boom pole and that kind of stuff. And like, they're friendly, they want to help out, but I get to SCAD and other people are talking about movies in the same way I'm talking about them. And I like, my mind's kind of blown. Was it similar to you? Yeah, no. So I, I was actually, I will say I was lucky that the area of New York I grew up in had a really great art scene and a really good film scene just because it's New York. So there was still right. a reverence for film where I grew up and that definitely gave me a lot of confidence. And I had a lot more friends helping me with movies than my friends in other towns would have. But I definitely got to SCAD and that like exponentially multiplied. Like, yeah. um, I remember like uh, freshman year, actually, the, like I, I, I met my uh, now one of my really, really close friends, Nolan, who's also my main DP. I met him uh, in like the Facebook groups and like on our tours. And then so, sometime in like September, or October, in the first like couple weeks of school, we ended up just sitting down outside the cafeteria in the middle of the night and talking for like three or four hours just about movie stuff. And I was like, oh, I found it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I did it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it's like, that that was really cool to me but not not only that i liked that there was like a a seriousness about it that i didn't Mm -hmm. see it like i would see other film schools and it was sort of like not not even on the students part but on like the structure of the school and the faculty's part 
there wasn't as much of a reverence for the art form as there was for stuff like painting and illustrating. Like you would go to an art school and it'd be like, yeah, we've got like the giant illustration museum. We've got like the giant fine painting museum, fine arts museum. And then like the little film room has like a three foot projector screen. Mm-hmm. And not say that, that like everyone should be spending millions like SCAD is, but just like that to me was telling of like, I'm going somewhere that in a lot of ways overvalues the film department. Like, so I was like, I'd much mm-hmm. rather be on the receiving end of that. And yeah. also, um, there was a lot of, uh, one of the big, big reasons I went SCAD and actually changed my major on my first week of classes from film to writing was because of the writing program and the writing faculty. Yeah. Cause I was like, that might be a good, that might be the better way to like aim my career path of like, if I mm-hmm. come out of school with a couple of good scripts, someone might be more likely to. I, I might maybe be able to set myself apart more so than if I went to the film major and I learned how to do film. Like I can mm. learn film while doing film. I won't be able to teach myself writing the same way I would if I had like 12 people every day telling me what sucks in my script that needs to change. I, I totally agree. I think people who are interested in being a writer director and I mean, I, I'm using SCAD as a reference because that's where I went. But if you're going to a school that has the different like film production side of it but also the dramatic writing side of it like i think writing is absolutely the way to go because you can learn how to yeah you can learn how to do a c-stand and use a tripod and all that kind of stuff and not that that like i'm i'm heavily dumbing it down um obviously you go into more of that like i'm really glad i got to take like directing actors with professor sadworth who's been on the podcast and stuff like that but i think like if i had to do it again i would do writing and just try to get into those classes like even if I couldn't get the credit, you know, like, let me just sit in on those classes because that was my favorite thing about senior one and two is we wrote a script and we did a table reading class and then we just talked about it for like an Mm -hmm. hour. And that is invaluable. Mm -hmm. Like that is so insanely helpful to just not have people say like, this is crap, but be like, this isn't working. Like this is really working, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I I feel like it also, one of the things that I'm really grateful for about the writing major was like, I think because there's such a focus in film school on short films, a lot of people come out of film school only knowing how to do short films. And I feel right. really lucky that I went to a major that focused so heavily on features that like yeah. the worst problem I've got right now is I can't think of any short film ideas. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's, yeah. it is hard, but like it's, it's a, it's a different type of, it's a different type of beast. And it was really mm-hmm. nice to go somewhere that like, Every day we were talking about feature films because that's mm-hmm. what I feel like that's what I want to be doing in five years, five, ten years. Yeah. And like I got to spend three years talking every day about that. That's that's just what the industry is all about. Like obviously shorts are important and you know, we've made a lot through tungsten and we will make more. Yeah. But like Yeah, that's not to diminish we shorts want it at lead all. to features. Yeah. yeah. No, I get what you're saying exactly. That's just the way the industry that's what the industry values a lot of shorts happen out of the necessity of not being able to make a feature and like features just happen (laughs) because people want to watch like people pay to see features so i was like i Mm -hmm. should really get a hold of how to do that if i'm spending Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars to learn how to do any of this and there's a lot of stuff that you learn a lot of rules you learn in the shorts world that isn't applicable yeah, to features exactly. like i think joe i think he might have said it in his podcast actually is that like 
uh, shorts are to poems as features are to novels. That's, like, yeah, that's perfect. You're supposed true. to break the rules with shorts, you know? Well, not only that, so. but there's, I actually learned a lot about this inadvertently while I was editing Singularity. There's a huge difference between how a feature sets up its story and writes out its story and how a short film does the same thing because yeah. we expect very different things from them. Like shorts, we expect, no, really quickly, get mm-hmm. out. It's okay if it's a little surface level. Features, we feel really robbed if that's the case usually. Mm-hmm. So like I was when yeah. I was editing at first, I was like, oh, is this part dragging too much? And I realized, I was like, well, no, I wrote a really short feature, so I have to let it kind of breathe in these parts right. because I wrote it that way, and that taught me a lot about mm-hmm. that difference. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Singularity um, because I want to spend a lot of time talking about that. <laughs> Before we dive into some questions, can you explain what Singularity is to those who don't know? Yeah, uh, and forgive me if I screw up the log line because I haven't pitched it in two years properly. I've like explained it to <laughs> oncoming crew members in the sense that You can just put it in post. Just put some yeah. text. <laughs> just be like yeah. my face moving and I'm like a dub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> deep fake your own face yeah. onto your face. <laughs> so Singularity is about this young woman whose father left her, abandoned her about two decades ago. She's never met him. And through the discovery of parallel dimensions and through a scientific experiment, she's given the opportunity to meet his his counterpart from another dimension. And they participate in an experiment that involves the idea of like deja vu and memories and if memories can exist across dimensions. Like if I exist in this dimension and there's another me out there somewhere, is maybe my deja vu one of my other counterparts' memories? Or like, do we just have the ability to access those memories? What's really interesting, there's a lot that's interesting to me about Singularity, but at the core of it, what, <laughs> like one, it's so bad. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, two years of my life down Good. the drain. What I love about it is that it's this sci-fi film and I love space and science and all that kind of stuff. Talked about it a lot on the podcast. So I love films that explore that stuff like Arrival, which even you said yourself, you've ripped off a twice. few times. <laughs> uh, twice. In a row, by the way. Yeah, not, <laughs> not spaced out back to back <laughs> by accident um, both times. So it has those themes of sci-fi and in things that like audiences love, but at the core of it, it's about family and memories and that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of people in film school that, or at least I just see a lot of people on our small scale of stuff that try to make big sci-fi things that are huge and you know, just it's hard to make when you don't have any money. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And they're valiant efforts, but it, the story kind of gets lost because like they're, they can get caught up in explaining the world and like, well, how does this thing work? Or even just the logistics um, of creating that spectacle. Like, yeah, exactly. It's very easy. I think at this small scale to get caught up in that side of things, you know, which like, yeah, plot holes are important, blah, 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 blah. But audiences care about like the, people in the story you know like the core of it like that's what they're going to relate to because we can't relate to a big space thing but we can relate to people that are like love one another and Mm -hmm. wish that their you know father had left them that kind of stuff you know like that's such a more human thing so i love the idea of having this human-centered part with the backdrop of the sci-fi world um you've made a lot of sci-fi stuff is that something that you think about a lot? Yeah. Like the balance <laughs> of those two things? Yeah. I want to, I actually wrote my college essay sort of on it um, in a roundabout way, but I, I love, I love, and I think it might be somewhere in my like mission statement on the side street website or something, or it's on one of my like bios and one of those stupid bios you have to write. But like, 
I love probably for the tungsten website. Probably actually. for the tungsten website. Um, <laughs> I, I really love stories that use genre in a huge way to tell a very small story, and not necessarily mm-hmm. in terms of scale, but like small in terms of like a very very personal story. Like, um, mm-hmm. like I think uh, what is it? Interstellar is a perfect example. I think yeah. that uh, I think Arrival is a pretty good example of that. Just like stories that, especially with science fiction and fantasy, which I just love the spectacle of, is like taking genre and using it to create a version of a really personal story that you wouldn't expect. Like you can tell a story about like, um, like a rival, like a family issue and like the idea of like morals and ethics and like linguistics, but it becomes so much more fun to watch when it's like these giant mm-hmm. aliens and you've got like Johan Johansson music and like crazy spaceships like that just makes it so much more fun and i i feel like there are i feel like there's a lack in a lot of what hollywood makes or a disconnect between like there there, there's not a connection of those two things like you kind of get one or the other you get like your really sad dramatic movie at that wins the oscar every year and then you've got like the michael bay transformers movie which i love mm-hmm. but like you, you you get those and there's never any overlap and i feel like so many of my favorite movies have that overlap and even some mm-hmm. of my favorite moments in really big blockbuster movies like um even ones i don't really like that much have a have a good amount of them like i love man of steel one of my favorite movies ever because i feel like it made that balance perfectly as an imperfect mm-hmm. film, it balanced to the idea of like a small story and a huge spectacle perfectly. There's a lot of really great stuff like that and stuff like Civil War and like um, like Spider-Man Homecoming. There's a lot of mm-hmm. great stuff like that that gets kind of overlooked by critics, but audiences love clearly because they spend like millions of dollars on it. And it, it's, it's just yeah. strange to me that that's not what Hollywood aims to make because it seems like that's what mm-hmm. really gets to people. But um, that's that's what I love the most. So tell me the story about making Singularity because I'm I love that you described it as a short feature because you sent me the link last night and I think calling it a short is is not not that it's incorrect but it doesn't do it justice you know because it's thirty minutes long yeah. and technically <laughs> <laughs> technically uh, you know if you Google how long is a feature I think what I've always seen is like forty minutes if yeah. you're over forty minutes then you're technically in feature territory. Mm-hmm. That's what most um, of the festivals consider is like either thirty minutes yeah. or forty five. So I know it's been a long two years to make it, and I know a lot has come out of it. And this is kind of being like your, uh, you know, the big project that's just led you through the past couple of years. And mm-hmm. I know what's that like, especially to just finish blueberries. Yeah. Like that was the same thing for me. You know, it's such a roller coaster. A long, long highway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So take me to the beginning of that a little bit because I know you've grown as a filmmaker a lot throughout this process. Yeah. So originally the base base goal of it was I came to school and I was like, all right, I'm going to do writing, but I need to be here. I need to be making movies. I should, I've already done a couple of smaller short films, not necessarily that much shorter, but like I've done much smaller ones where it was something that I could really just fully gorilla it, like go into the Trader Joe's parking lot at midnight and film like a scene with five people. I Mm. need to do something that proves myself as someone who can work with a budget, work with actors in a dramatic way because that's what I want to do and make it look as professional as I can. So I set out with that goal and I ended up taking an idea I had from a feature script I wanted to write 
where the opening scene it was, it was sort of like a play on those like multiverse comic books where it's like the superman discovers there's like another superman and like i always thought that was goofy because i was thinking like well i'd be scared shitless <laughs> if i found out there was like three other quins in the world um or if i found out like stuff like that so it was originally this like scene in the script where these characters are in a very similar situation but it's told to them very point blank and very eerily like your dead brother who's like a plot point in the previous script i wanted to write was like your dead brother is alive in this dimension would you like to meet him and you see mm -hmm. the different characters hear things like this and hear like oh you exist in this dimension would you like to meet yourself and they're freaked out by it or they don't believe it mm -hmm. and that to me felt like a really interesting story and i was like what's the smallest way and the most plausible way i can make that film and i it originally started a lot smaller um and it got not not bigger in scale but bigger story-wise and it got a lot more complex the more i like wrote about it the more i like tried to explain it to my friends like i remember when i was first kind of like pitching the idea like telling it to my like cl close friends in new york and savannah just so i could like see like does this sound stupid <laughs> i'd like sit them down and i'd have my notebook and they'd be like wait who's related to who where's that How, who's, <laughs> right. and i would like show them and be like no 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 this 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 and i'd have like a timeline and i'd like put the characters on it and i'd like be like it's like a video of christopher nolan explaining memento it was like, honestly on the, I, on it, the chalkboard so the, the sad thing is is i think i looked a lot more crazed but i do feel that it makes more <laughs> sense <laughs> every yeah. I, I love nolan but every time i see him explain something he has this like dead look in his eyes and it's some super complicated concept that doesn't honestly make that much sense and he's just like you know you just go here here, here. and right. like he says it in a way that it's like you should get this right it's like it doesn't make right. sense <laughs> but also if you don't i don't care yeah i don't care <laughs> like, it's pretty dude show me another <laughs> yeah here's like, 200 million I'm more getting, dollars I'm a, I'm a millionaire yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i'm very happy watching christopher nolan but homeboy does not make sense but, uh, <laughs> but no I, it was it was i had a much more crazed look in my eyes because i was like see like this person goes here and it's like it, yeah. was, it was very all over the place and i spent like i what, what usually happens and I, I don't think this is a unique process but like i usually get an idea at some point and i just start writing notes on it like all the time like i'll just try as hard as i can to think about it i usually start if it's a really good idea that or if it's an idea that i think is really good that i'm really into i might have like a specific song that i like listening to that makes me think about it i usually think in trailers before i think of anything so i'd like have like my trailer song and that helps me think hmm. of like this is what the movie looks like these are the emotional beats these are the type of people i'm watching and i start mm -hmm. piecing that together with the ideas that i had at the first point when i wrote it i start piecing together like little lines of dialogue or like thematic things um i usually it's it's very antithetical to what a lot of screenwriting teachers teach which is think of character first i can't do that mm -hmm. i think of trailer first every time <laughs> and yeah. um so i i spent a long time writing notes for it like throughout freshman year and i believe it was the sum yeah it was the summer leading up to sophomore year i sat down and i was like i have two goals this summer i'm going to finish writing the feature that i started writing in the spring and I'm going to finish writing Singularity because I want to film something uh, sophomore year. Like, hmm. I need to film something. I need to start that ball rolling now so that I have my calling card and, like, my reason right. for being in school. So hmm. I started, and this was after I'd pitched it to, like, my roommates and a few of my SCAD friends who were, like, actors or crew. Like, I pitched it to Nolan. 
uh, my DP and like they, they all were very supportive. So I was like, I should do this. I should take this seriously. I sat down, I wrote it. Um, it I wrote, I, as I was writing, I was like, this doesn't need to be that long. It can be like 15 pages. And then like, as I'm going, it's like, I just, that little moment would be really cool. I'll just add another page. I'll just add another page. Yeah. And by the end of it, I had a 36 page draft that I, <laughs> I knew needed to get shorter, but I wasn't quite sure how yet. Cause I hadn't learned how to edit mm -hmm. writing yet. Um, but that's how the story came out of it. it was just a lot of like, I'd get little moments and ideas and that would just kind of glob together until it became something that I mm -hmm. felt like I could watch in my head enough that I could think about it on a deeper level and start pulling things out. So when did you start filming? Was it sophomore year? Yeah, we started filming. Um, I, fil I filmed the teaser in the Indiegogo in the winter break and right at the start of winter quarter of 2020. And then we started filming. We, we, we knew because of the length of the script that we needed at least three shooting blocks. The original plan was to have one shooting block in winter quarter 2020, which we did. We had one, I want to say mid or late February. I think it was late February. So we, we had that one, and that was like our small shoot. That was like, we're going to shoot a little bit. We're going to make it look as good as we can. And that way, if we need more money, which we did because we didn't raise enough money at the start, um, if we need more money, we have some footage. We can pitch this footage to locations, to other actors, stuff like that. So we filmed that. It went great. And then the other two shoots were supposed to happen in the spring of 2020, and we all know what happened in spring of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so that didn't happen. Um, and then we filmed, and we like we. I thought like, oh, maybe I can film in the summer, or maybe I can film all of it in the fall. We were going to film like two thirds of the remaining stuff, in, or three quarters of the remaining stuff in the fall. And then I just had like a mental breakdown and realized like I can't do that. That's like just too much. I ended up being mm -hmm. right. We wouldn't have had the time for it. And then we finished filming in um, either late January or early February of 2021. I don't remember which. But um, so we, we, it's it was basically a year of on and off filming. Yeah. And a yeah. year of on and off rewriting. Yeah. So I just went through a kind of a similar thing with blueberries. I've talked about it a lot on the that? podcast. <laughs> yeah. What's blueberries? <laughs> um, I won't rehash it because I know I've talked about it so much. But um you know, there were a lot of times in which it felt, is this going to happen? You know, like what's, what do I have to do? So other than COVID, because again, we've talked, I know people are probably tired of hearing how COVID upended everyone's plans, even though it's really valid and it was and stressful. At a certain blah, point, blah, blah, it's blah. like it's ruined all of our plans. So I think as, as <laughs> yeah. some, someday we'll all need to shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very but... true. That's very true. Um, and also, we recognize it's still ongoing. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that it's like going yeah, no. done. It's not um, it's better, but it's yeah. Not over. So, what were some of the hardest moments for you as a director, for as a writer director for this thing? That's like, I mean, that's a 30 minutes is a beast. You know, I'm sure you you've done a lot of long stuff, so it probably doesn't seem like a lot to you. I actually, yeah, I've, I've done a I've done another 30 minute, but that one was honestly easier because it was it was such like a screwball shoot. Like it was one, it was a comedy, so it was a lot lighter. Mm to it did not need a budget. We shot it for as much as the pizza cost that we bought for the casting right. crew twice. So like, yeah. I think I spent in total maybe $150 on Moonshiners nice. and that was half an hour, but it was such a different film yeah. production wise. Yeah. So, you know, with a project like this that 
and again, I can relate so closely. That is like your thing. When people think about Quinn, they think about singularity, like your all your social media is about it. You've had multiple rounds of fundraising. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just yeah. like, that's the thing. You yeah. know, that's your thing. What were some of the lowest lows? And how did you uh, <laughs> think, like, how do you push through those? A lot of it was a constant, just like trough bowl <laughs> for the last year <laughs> yeah. and a half. Um, yeah. The sec so when COVID started in general, that was a really that was probably the mentally lowest. Um, mm. Not that I did, not that I had throughout the pandemic, but that was that was a huge low because my mom was actually working in the nursing homes in the Bronx. Um, oh gosh! And she was telling me like I just walked into a room and saw a, a dead lady, like, and yeah. I'm not protected health wise. Um, and the epicenter of the epidemic was actually like a mile from my mom and sister's house in New York. Right. Uh, in New Rochelle. Isn't so, that like, yeah, that's where it like started it, in the U S right? where, yeah, that was where like, that was the first quarantine zone. And it is wow. a five minute drive from not just my town, my mom's house. And wow. up until, up until that point, I had had to do a lot of moving around, a lot of uprooting due to like a lot of family issues that I had in high school. So, having not only my movie that I'd planned in my school that I had been working in kind of stop short for a little and get very uncertain, I didn't have a home to go back to. And SCAD mm. was like, we're not sure what we're doing with dorms. Um, so I was in Savannah alone for spring break, just going insane. Cause I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a house to go back to because that's not like, I didn't, I don't even know if they let people fly into New York for that period of time, but it wouldn't I have don't been, think they did. Even if they yeah. did, it would not have been smart. Um, we talked, me and my mom talked about like worst case, maybe we pay for a rental car if you need to get out of Savannah, mm -hmm. like, um, but I didn't want to go back to New York. So that was really low because I was like, I felt, I felt like the, the one guy that was getting beat up by the world. Like I, I definitely wasn't, mm -hmm. but it felt like it. Cause I was like, I've done so much for myself to get to this point where I'm doing this thing that I want to do. And it's getting yanked away from me. Like I thought there's no way in hell that my movie's going to get finished. I might have mm -hmm. to drop out of school because I didn't have savings uh, anymore because of SCAD tuition. <laughs> and my mom's job is in question because of COVID. Um, that, that was a horrible point. And I ended up really, I'm very thankful. I had a really great writing class that didn't help directly with Singularity, but it was uh, feature development, uh, film 315. Uh, with David Engelbach was in the winter quarter and I'd been taking that and like developing a script. I wrote like 90% of it, finished it over the spring break the second we moved into dorms uh, in Turner when they moved us back into Turner, which is a SCAD dorm for people who aren't SCAD students. And um, then I spent like the next three months of the spring quarter, like I would have my classes, I'd get up out of my bed, I'd get my crappy SCAD breakfast, I'd sit down at my desk for two hours not pay attention to the English class I was in and I would work on pre-production. I would think about rewriting singularity and I would reach out to crew members and I was like, all right, if this isn't going to happen, then I need to take stock of what was wrong with it that I now mm. have an opportunity to fix. Um, mm. and not in one of those like weird machismo, like pandemic productivity mindsets, just the idea that like I have an opportunity, um, yeah. while I'm stuck here. And I ended up bringing on amazing crew members that I didn't have before. I ended up rewriting the script in a way that made me feel so much more confident about it. I like drew a lot from what I learned filming it and what I learned from talking to my actors. 
and I was able to get some incredible locations. Um, and, and in my opinion, that's why I like filming at them. <laughs> but like, I was I was able to get all of that because I had that time to reflect and be like, all right, like I need to take some responsibility if I'm gonna be a if I'm gonna whine about like I'm the one getting beaten up by everything. Like I, I need to take some a little bit of responsibility and start figuring out what I can take control of on this so that it's not mm-hmm. at the mercy of whatever happens next. That's something that like in the moment I never would have uh, like when COVID and I, I'm not going to harp on this too long. Cause <laughs> like we were just yeah, saying, we'll eventually but, stop talking about COVID guys. <laughs> yeah. But when it was crazy and I had to cancel blueberries, I was so, so, so defeated. But now looking back again, I'm not had glad COVID happened, but like, I'm glad I had to wait for a year because it's way better than it would have been, uh, if I had to film it last year. So it all works out. You know what I mean? If if I had if I hadn't had the pandemic, one there's a lot of shitty things that happened in my life because of it. Um, so it wasn't. It's not like I'm coming out of it. I'm like, COVID is great. <laughs> right. a, a lot of horrible things happened. I like a lot of horrible things, and I could go down the list. But like, had I tried to make Singularity when I planned to make it, it wouldn't have happened because we thought mm-hmm. one that we needed ten thousand um, dollars. Thank God we didn't. <laughs> but um we thought we needed ten thousand dollars we thought we would we thought the best way to get the machine that we ended up building with cgi was to build it in real life we thought we yeah. had the ability to do it thank god we didn't it would have looked horrible <laughs> um it just even the, the way that i had the script structured the there were characters that i didn't add but like things i added to that almost changed the characters um just tons of things like that where it's like, had I not had those months, my movie would not have gotten made. And if it did, it would be horrible. And I would have wasted the money that I'd raised. I would have wasted my own time and my actor's time. They probably wouldn't have come back to do reshoots, which I would have needed. Um, mm-hmm. there, like there, there was so much good for that project that came out of those months of like fear and the other aspects of my life. So we talked a lot about how this is like you're you're kind of a world builder you know like singularity is obviously sci-fi there's a whole bunch of like um of the backdrop you know with the foreground being the um the honest story and the characters and stuff but uh, obviously there's a world that you're trying to build and explain to audiences and stuff like that but when you're on set and you're working with actors and you're you know giving them notes between takes like that i'm so glad that we just filmed blueberries because that is like the moment for me, you know, like mm-hmm. when I say like reset, I know we're burning pixels. I just need to, I need, I have one sentence, you know, I've got 10 words to say to this person to get in there because the sparks are flying. We need to capture this moment. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's whenever you learn what kind of a director you are. Yeah. Um, and it's just so innate, like you can't plan for that really. It just happens. And if you don't have it, you lose it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in those moments, when you uh, are trying to connect with your, um, actors, how do you make sure that both they and you are not getting caught up in the world and all the all the stuff that you have to explain to audiences? You know, like how do you connect with them on that director actor basis? Like, what is that relationship like? Because you have a really great cast, and, and some that are uh, you know adults that are older than us, for. and some that are like our age. And I just same thing with blueberries. Like Walker, the lead is my age, and then I've got um, two adults that I'm working with, and mm-hmm. that is also an interesting mm-hmm. thing <laughs> to yeah. manage. So what's that relationship like? How do you approach that? Honestly, there wasn't a lot of confusion in the science fiction end. A lot of it was like early on, we sat down and Gabe, for example, um, 
but actually it was originally supposed to play the character that Ian played. He was originally supposed to play the boyfriend just because that's the character at the time that Gabe would get cast as. Um, and he read it and he was like, can I play, can I play Rory? He's kind of, he's kind of interesting. Um, but there wasn't a lot of confusion. It was more of like, when I brought people on, there would be confusion. They'd be like, how does this work? What's this mean? Like, why, like, how, how can I understand this? And that I'm going to naturally understand it as a character on set. There wasn't a lot of that on set once we got there because we had the discussions prior. But I was really, really lucky that I actually, you talked really briefly about taking like directing actors. I was a perf minor because I thought like, well, if I'm not going to major in film or minor in film because I took one film class and it made me feel like I can't, I can't do this. And uh, I had like one teacher who I was like, he, he, he and me did not get along at all. And I learned it within mm. five minutes of talking to him. Uh, and I literally changed my major after that class, but I made my minor perf because performing arts for non-SCAD kids, because I felt like that's the other thing I can only get from school is learning how to talk to actors. And I'm a horrible mm. actor. I didn't want to be an actor at all, but it was like, that will teach me what it's like on their end. Because I know that's mm -hmm. something I haven't experienced. I know that's something that I'm never going to get the direct knowledge on. And in the class that I took, which was acting for the camera, not only was my classmate Bella, who's an amazing actor and my lead actor in Singularity, but we got really lucky that, and this is the, this is the first class where it happened, our class was happening in Hamilton Hall at the same exact time, a room away from the directing actors class. So what they did was they actually combined the classes and combined the curriculum yeah. for one quarter, and it was the first time they did it, and they had those kids direct us. So I was mm. sitting in class twice a week, every like every week, hearing not only what my acting teacher was saying to me, but hearing what she was telling the director and hearing what the directing teacher was telling his students and telling me. So I had like so many more points of information and so many more points of learning from that class, and that gave, that taught me so much about like what I should be doing as a director, what I owe the actors, what I owe them as a writer, because I was reading lines that quite often sucked to read. I was like, oh, this, like, this word doesn't make sense here. And I wasn't allowed to change it because mm -hmm. uh, I was one of the acting uh, kids, but um, mm -hmm. I'd always beg to. But, but like that, that taught me so much in terms of like what I need to be giving the other people on set and, and the actors. Um, and that that helped a lot once we got to singularity because one my classmate who learned the same things as me was my lead actor and our best friend was the other character uh gabe so it's like we already had our personal communication to start from and we also had the same vocabulary to go into and they mm -hmm. they were really generous to give their time and energy to me to figure out how to do that like because that was the like I directed actors before obviously like in short films but that was the first time I really was like taking it as seriously and prioritizing it as much because I didn't have to DP it especially so I was putting so much more energy into it and there was so much discussion about like let's figure out what this character's perspective is and not not in like a um what's the what's the word not in like a method acting sort of sense but in the sense of just like so that we're all coming from the same point and I can understand where you're thinking when you're on set. Let's figure out what is this character thinking? Like, what is her background? What's his background? What do they fight about in their relationship? Like, that'll make it easier for me to give you an emotional endpoint, And that'll be easier for you to understand what I'm doing in my writing so that you can deliver mm -hmm. it in a way that's not only natural, but also delivers the themes of the story. So there, it was, it was invaluable having that class with Bella. Um, 
I don't think that I would have been as good a director if I hadn't had that one in general, mm -hmm. but especially with her, because then, then I had such a direct point of contact with the cast because it was like mm -hmm. anytime, anytime Bella's on set, I was like, remember that thing we like, we talked about in class or like we had in class, like that's, that's all I know. So she knew what I was thinking about as an actor. Right. And I think it, right. it made her, I think a little more understanding of when I was screwing up and it made me understand mm -hmm. when I was screwing up. Cause it'd be like, <laughs> I can tell it's not working yeah. for her because I know where we're both starting mm -hmm. from. That's really cool. I love that you had that experience because, um, I mean, that's the most important job of a director is to communicate with actors, you know, like we, you talked about Tim Burton, obviously Tim Burton does a lot of world building and like, same thing with Christopher Nolan, like, you know, those very, um, th those actors that like really have, or those directors that like really have their styles and things that they're known about. It all falls apart if they don't communicate with the yeah. actors well you know yeah. because like i said I, I mean who cares about the other stuff if like what i'm seeing is like fake and not yeah because that's connecting that's with the, me that's what's going to break the illusion so much is like it doesn't feel like a real exactly. person because like we don't know what a spaceship mm -hmm. looks like necessarily but we all know what a real person sounds like exactly so when it starts yeah. sounding weird it just falls apart like you said so um i want to uh pivot a little bit to your your work at tungsten like i said at the top of this episode you are our podcast editor um you know, I know we had to do interviews and that kind of stuff. And so I, I probably learned about this a little bit, but it's been a while since we talked about it. What um, drew you to the position and made you want to be involved with what we're doing at Tungsten? Um, honestly, I don't remember if part of the thing you posted was that it was paid, but if you did, that would have been a big draw. <laughs> I think it was. Cause, cause, yeah, cause yeah. That was actually, that was at a time when I was actually looking for a job. Um, mm. So that up front was a huge selling point. Beyond that, I was like, I know because at that time I was planning to leave SCAD and I ended up dropping out um, temporarily and definitely depending on uh, who in the faculty asks me. But I was like, if I'm leaving what I planned on doing, I need to have an endpoint to the SCAD film people because those are mm. my those are my like resources. Like as a filmmaker, yeah. my resources are the people I know um, who can also do film and can do things a lot better than I can. I need to be able to know those people. I want to make sure I'm not losing out on those social connections because that's going to be what like feeds my career in the future. Is like knowing someone like Nolan, who's an amazing DP, knowing someone like Gabe and Bella, who's an amazing actor. Um, so I was like that, that was a huge selling point. It was just like, that will let me hear from film people all the time. It's a great, like I, I didn't honestly remember who you were, but like I realized like after taking the job, I was like, wait, I've seen West's name like all over the place with SCAD people. Just because I think you get along with everyone real well. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, no, like in good ways. <laughs> like, like, like I realized, I was like, oh, he. I like, pay a lot of people off. It, it just it seemed like it seemed like a good idea because I was like, that's that's a that's a good way to have my. And I think it's also it was important to me to get any type of job I could that was film industry. That's as close as I could get at that moment. Was like every week I can hear from a filmmaker. I can be talking to filmmakers. I can talk and be be talking to you and Reagan. And now Joe, um, that, that, that was just really interesting to me. And I'd also, I'd done like some really minor work on someone's YouTube channel. I like did like voiceovers for their video essays. So I was like, that's something I know a little bit about, like is like editing mm. the dialogue. I know Premiere pretty well. Um, I'm fast working. I need a job. Like it, it all fit together in that moment. And mm -hmm. then of course, when I spoke with you guys, I was like, oh, these people are very much on my, on the same page as me. Yeah. Like yeah, they're cool. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so now, I mean, it's been six months since you 
I guess, five or six months since you started. Uh, we've had some really exciting guests since mm -hmm. you came on. Um, some of our biggest episodes, you know, have come out this year and we are fast approaching the 10,000 total listens. So it's mm -hmm. been a, a really great year for the podcast so far. Uh, yeah, and we're over 100 followers on Spotify and that kind of stuff. So That's it's awesome. been a good year. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of that is thanks to you. But how, okay. you know, how does it feel looking back on, <laughs> on this year and how the podcast has evolved and all that kind of stuff? Just what are your, what are your thoughts on it? It's grounding. Uh, it's nice that like in a like, especially with like the way singularity production and post-production is going and the way like I was looking for a day job as I was starting Tungsten, it was really grounding to like every week have this like thing to look to and like thing that I had to do and enjoy doing. Thank God. <laughs> like like that, I, and that, that was just, it was centering. It was really nice after a year of not really talking to anyone very much because of COVID to hear a new person speaking not to me but it feels like to me because it's like i'm like watching yeah. you have these very personal conversations with people that it was just it was calming it was centering it was really nice to have all that and i learned a crap ton from it like actually um one of the first episodes i think i want to say kevin uh kevin, kevin plackey no not kevin plackey kevin brooks oh kevin brooks yeah kevin brooks, kevin he, brooks he, yeah. He, he talked about like getting into uh sundance uh, i forget mm -hmm. what, sundance ignite i the, think i forget what it was yeah, the ignite fellowship yeah. getting mm -hmm. into that talk he, he was the first person who ever told me that you technically don't need your movie finished to enter into a film festival right that ticked off my that ticked off my curiosity i was like oh do i um <laughs> like I, I i learned a lot from just listening to people every every day and sometimes people like jenna ray tooley who i've like tried to like bring on the stuff in the past and she had no idea who the hell I was. So of course she's not going to be like, yeah, I'll help this sophomore out on this project. It was just, it was so fun to like listen to these people that I either didn't know or had looked up to at SCAD and like hear you guys talking about all that stuff. And of course it's interesting because I like film. Um, so it's just perfect for me, honestly. That's awesome. Well, it's been really fun having you. I've wanted to do video for a long, and we're acting like it's done. We're going to continue working. Like <laughs> this is still ongoing. Thank God. Um, but this is just, yeah. No, this this. <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. Quinn, you're fired. Oh, See you guys. <laughs> um, but no, I've just been thinking like post blueberries. Uh, these past couple. Um, I guess it's not even been a full week, but these past few days, it's just been like a reflective time. So I'm, that's why I'm glad we're having this yeah. discussion because it's halfway through the year and, you know, I've got a lot of goals on what I want to do for the second half of the year. Um, I got to figure out where I need want to live now, all that kind of stuff. Mm. It's been, it's been very reflective for You've me. Been busy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I've, I'd wanted to do video for so, so long. Like when we first launched the podcast in january of 2019 you know everyone was like what about video what about video and i'm like well that's like a that's like three times harder than what yeah, i'm doing right now that's like, one more like person I can... to bring on or like 13 more hours yeah. a week if you're doing it yeah exactly and i was like um i got to record in the adr rooms at hamilton which sounded awesome like you know the, the audio quality was great but it looks terrible so yeah. you know it's just a whole other beast obviously but um and I didn't know about doing it remotely. I didn't know how I felt about that uh, and all that kind of stuff. But it's been really fun to figure out what it all looks like. And we're getting a new uh, logo made soon, like a proper logo for the podcast and a proper yeah, intro I think you guys, for it uh, as well. I think you guys like pirated my uh, my motion media guy for that. I was texting him. I was like, Chris Rodriguez? Yeah, I was like, Chris, are you free to like, help me on some stuff before festivals? And he was like, I don't know. I'm working for these people called Tungsten. I was like, I oh, this is like, stolen. Dude, He's Chris. awesome. He's awesome. Is 
incredible. Right? He's making a. He's so good. Dude. He's, he's making so a, an intro. Yeah. Oh, he's he's killing it. He's making like a, an intro for um what we put in in front of our like narrative shorts and stuff. And literally, I think Joe said this the other day. Like. It's Christmas whenever Chris emails yeah, us. Yeah, it's like, awesome. He's always, it's like, yes, it's you, so you'll, cool. you'll tell him like the stupidest idea and like a week later he'll be like, I was kind of working on this. Here's something small. Yeah. And it's like the yeah, coolest. Yeah, he's like, here's some process work. Yeah. It's the and best thing like, ever. Yeah, it's ever. the coolest process work you've ever seen. He's so, he's so sick, dude. I, yeah, he was actually yeah. one of the people that I brought on during that spring quarter. Like he, okay, he was one gotcha. of the people that came on and he he brings such a professional look to stuff that does not look professional yeah. otherwise. Like it felt so good like throw his like motion graphics titles on my crap and be like look how cool yeah i mean looks. the singularity stuff looks he, awesome. he did a good job i'm like, trying to i'm trying to bring him back on in the next couple of days he's like trying to work out a couple ideas see if he has time to finish it up he's super great um but you know we've got an exciting future together and i'm i'm these last few days been thinking about ways i can upgrade the setup like once i figure out where i was just telling you before we recorded once i know where i live and have an apartment like set up a proper backdrop and all that kind of stuff i want to like after this will probably be changes in the early next year, like really elevated, you know, like start getting out of our sky bubble and that kind of stuff more. But it's been really fun to figure that process out with you because, you know, I brought you on as the video editor and it's like, cool, you're doing something we've never done before. <laughs> like, Let's figure out what that looks like. What do the promo videos look like? You know, mm -hmm. and it's just been so exciting to develop that. And you look through, I mean, I'm so proud of the, uh, um, the promo clips and all that kind of stuff because like you go back to our Instagram pre-2021 and it's like not consistent not that that matters so much but the branding isn't super consistent and it's like it none of it matches and then you go to when we start posting podcasts for this year and it's like so much more professional <laughs> and, it, and it's all consistent and it just like from a branding perspective is so elevated so um, you know I just I appreciate you coming on and I'm it's glad just to been be fun. Doing it's it. been a fun process. So yeah. yeah, and I'm also I'm glad you enjoy it. You know, like I, I wanna, I I want people who care and like want to be on it. So it means a lot that you even just enjoy doing it. Yeah, no, <laughs> you feel like you get something out of it. And I'm really grateful that you guys have given me more trust than I expected in <laughs> making yeah. it look what you feel is good because like I I've worked on things that I honestly should have had more creative say on that. Like I was doing a much bigger job and you always get people who are like, like do it, do it like this. And you, in your head, you're like, that's, it's going to look horrible, especially in freelance, yeah. which is my previous experience for editing. And mm -hmm. it was so nice and refreshing to have you guys. Like I would be like, I would text you kind of nervously. Like what if we did this instead? And you'd be like, yeah, sure. Try it. And then you'd be like, Oh, that yeah. looks great. And yeah. I was like, Oh, awesome <laughs> like, <laughs> it does look good it does look good all um, right and that, that was right. just so refreshing and that that made me like working at it more because i was like i i feel like there's room for me to say like i think we should do this like and plenty of times yeah. like you, you shoot me down when i need it and i think you listen to me when i need it and like it's it's nice mm -hmm. to have that and it's nice to have that sort of working relationship with you guys and it's also been this, it's almost like a bit now where you suggest something and I'm like, no, do it this way. And then you do it that way. And I'm like, oh, that's worse. You were right. Let's <laughs> well, yeah, do it your way. That. <laughs> that's we, happened multiple times. We, we had like a, I remember having like a week or two where that kept happening. Yeah. And I, I don't even remember what it was over. It was like small things. It was small things like the background color on a promo video. Yeah. And you pointed yeah. that out. You're like, I've said that so much recently. <laughs> and like yeah. beyond, beyond my ego growing a little bit from hearing that, it was just nice to hear yeah. that from like a boss because like that, 
doesn't right. happen usually when you're 21 that your boss mm. is like, oh, that idea you had is better than mine. That, so it's that, better than mine. It's refreshing. Yeah. Even, even if you're yeah. not that much older than me, just, it felt good and it felt mm -hmm. like felt like I was being heard as someone who's working on it. And that was really yeah. nice. And that's also, <laughs> you know, you using the word boss is kind of funny to me. But it is interesting because like, that's just been kind of an interesting thing for me to wrap my head around is like having an employee. And I'm yeah. using air quotes for that <laughs> because like it's both true and not fully true. Like, I, I mean, you you know, I, I pay you to do work, you know, so like that, that established that is there, but we like, we've also, I guess it was interesting that the first time I ever talked to you was like a job interview format. Yeah. That was weird you know, for like, me too. I was like, I'm being interviewed yeah. by someone I went to school with. Like this is, yeah, this is exactly. Yeah. And so, but then instead of starting, like I did with Joe and Reagan, you start from a friend perspective and then you, or friend mm -hmm. relationship, I should say, and then you move into a business relationship we started at a business relationship and then just because we have to talk so much yeah it i kind think of the forces friendship the friendship <laughs> yeah yeah so but it's i mean i think it's really uh i don't want to make this the hr podcast but like i you know we're as we grow tungsten stuff that's something that i as again the head of the company am trying to make sure i navigate the right way because like we're all at weird different parts and you know I know that this job doesn't pay insanely well. And it, it pays, like, it pays you know, better than jobs I've had recently. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Um, but you know, I just I'm I have tried to like be conscious of everyone's state of their life and and be flexible and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, 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 you've totally you've totally been. That's I, I think I've definitely felt that flexibility of telling you. I'm like, hey man, like even I think the first episode I was like, hey man, I'm shooting like yeah. the biggest part of my movie right on the day that we are supposed to submit the first episode of the podcast i need to get it done earlier like um yeah or even telling you i was like you know like i'm just busy as hell or like my week has been terrible mm -hmm. like i'm gonna get it to you on time but it's gonna take a while it was nice to feel that flexibility and i like that we've had a communication of like you, you've done yeah. the same thing to me i think and like it, it feels very it feels very kind but still very professional of like there's still the deadlines mm -hmm. but it's not like yeah, it's not like it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. And I, I, I think realizing that and hearing a boss acknowledge that is very nice because I think quite often it's the opposite when you're 21. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. And that's also just been growth for me because like I said in 2019, when I was the one who was editing everything, it was the end of the world if yeah. I didn't get it up yeah. at Friday at 9 a.m. You know, mm -hmm. and I <laughs> I thought like when the pandemic happened that like no, everyone would stop caring about <laughs> Tungsten. Like, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, it's okay. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's been a times where I've said that to you and you've been like, no, I want to get it done. Yeah. You know, I want to get it up on Monday. And I'm like, dude, if it has to be Tuesday, like whatever. Yeah, exactly. And not that I don't care about it, but like I was so, I was on the other side of the spectrum. I was like so insanely hard on myself where I would pull all nighters to get it up by Friday at 9 a.m. And like, you know, that's, as long as you get it up, like that's the important part. Like if you get it up weekly, like that's what, that's what matters. Yeah, I think we've been pretty consistent, and I think we've navigated it well when we didn't have the ability to be. So, all that is to say, you know, I feel like I'm cashing at a really interesting part of uh, your career because you're you're six months into this, you know, podcast video editing job. We've had a really great year, and we've got a lot of plans for what the next even six months and you know 2022 looks like, which is crazy to think that we're halfway through this year. Um, but we're, you know, we're solidly in this job and you're finally getting to submit Singularity to festivals yeah. and 
you know, you're. I feel like you're on the brink of a lot of interesting things. So as you look so. forward, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you also need sleep. Um, but as you look forward, uh, you know, to your future, what is the north star that's keeping you going? I don't mean necessarily a specific project or you know wanting to get a specific job or that kind of stuff. I just mean like, what is the philosophy that like every day when you have those moments of like, is it going to work out? Am I going to be mm -hmm. able to achieve this? Because this is a hard mystery to succeed in, you know, like it's cutthroat. It's the chances are low. It's just difficult. What is that North star that keeps you going? Just really not wanting to do anything else. <laughs> like I like, I'll think about it and I get really sad when I'm like, this doesn't work out. I'm screwed. And that makes me go like, I need to make sure it works out. I need to do everything I can to make sure it works out. Like, because mm -hmm. I've got stuff that I want to do that's going to cost me millions more than I will ever personally have access to. So it's so so I need to be doing the best job I can to like represent myself. I've been like I've been in, I I started this time last year and I'm starting to hear back this year uh, right this month and week about like film festivals entered or screenwriting festivals entered in uh, for like my feature work. Just mm -hmm. like setting setting seasonal goals almost like singularity's kind of mm -hmm. robbed a little bit of that from me because i've been so busy with just one thing but like mm -hmm. for example when i was home for the summer break i was like i'm going to start writing uh or i'm going to start and finish writing a horror movie so i have a really low budget movie to write i'm going to finish that i did that uh in the fall uh when i was home for the winter break and when i got here i was like i'm going to finish rewriting that like bigger budget movie i wrote so i have another thing in my portfolio it's just like setting small goals that I are not small, but like setting bracketed type goals where I can be like, yeah. I did this thing. I did this thing. I did this thing that will push me forward and realizing that I can do that every day. Like, even if it's just like I got up and I was at half moon working at my day job all day, but I wrote down some notes in my notebook about a script I want to write. Like that's mm -hmm. that, and that that's part of that bracket goal. It's like that pushes me closer to like, what I want to be doing five years down the road because I won't have to be scrambling to do it in four years. Like I've started to mm -hmm. do it now. And that, that keeps me motivated that realization that I've like, that I'm able to do a little bit of work. Cause I think my darkest points have been when I'm like, I don't see a way to get my work done. Like I had a horrible job when COVID was happening over the summer. I like went home to New York. I was working at a deli. That's an HR nightmare in its own. But like the, <laughs> like the, I, they, they would put me on for like, six days in a row and I would get home and I'd be mm -hmm. exhausted. I would have been standing on my feet on a cement floor all day in the back of a dark deli. And it's like, I have no motivation to get up and write. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I, I ended up quitting the job because of that. Cause I was like, I'm not able to push myself forward in the stuff that I want to be doing. And, mm -hmm. um, that's another thing that was nice about this job is it let me do the stuff I want to be doing. It's just like, finding ways to integrate my career goals into what I spend the rest of my days doing. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I mean, that's how I was able to like do tungsten work while at SVU, <laughs> like when yeah. I had downtime and stuff like that. And it gave me enough time on the weekends to do this and stuff. Yeah, but it is difficult to work effectively two jobs, you know? So yeah, I know the feeling. Um, but I have no doubt that you'll be able to achieve it. Singularity is awesome. I'm excited to you know, hear more about the festivals you get into. And we'll, of course, shout all that stuff out on the Tungsten channels. Um, and I uh, hope you enjoy editing this. <laughs> I definitely will. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be nerve-wracking. Um, 
But Quinn, thank you so much for coming on. This has really been fun. I've learned a lot about you. Uh, you know, you're of course welcome on the podcast anytime. Um, audience, if you're listening to the audio only version of this, I highly recommend you go to uh, our YouTube channel, which is the first link in the description, so you can see Quinn's incredible video editing work. We've thank done you. a lot of hard work on developing the visual look of it, and uh, we've got a new logo coming soon and a new intro and all that kind of stuff. So that'll be exciting. And yeah, give us a rating on iTunes. That helps a ton. And, uh, you know, subscribe on Spotify. That also helps a lot. And just spread the word. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up on the podcast. And uh, a lot of that is thanks to this man right in front of me through the computer thank screen. You very much. So, Quinn, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next one. See you later.